0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Demetria Obelor Show. So great to have you guys here. We're gonna kick things off with Vegas and a possible NBA expansion team and then dig into some discrimination when it comes to hair. You guys know I'm a curly hair girl and I'm seeing some really bad things happening in Texas that I need to address. And then we're gonna get into social media and how some states are seeking to protect our children from how addictive it can be. And then finally, we're gonna get to the responsibility that we all have as social media users to verify facts before we get to retweeting information, especially when it comes to sensitive, controversial issues like international conflicts. But we will start things off a little light and easy, so here we go. So by now you guys know that I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri, right? Yeah, but my family moved to Las Vegas back when I was in high school, so I've spent half my life calling Kansas City home and half my life calling Vegas home. So you know I'm a Chiefs fan, okay, but I do have love for those Raiders, okay? Yeah, I'm the bridge between the rivalry, don't hate me me. I do what I want. Okay, but it's been so cool, though, seeing Las Vegas transition into a full blooded sports town. I mean, Vegas is now the home of the Golden Knights 2023 Stanley Cup champions, home of the 2022 WNBA champs, the Las Vegas Aces. We've got the Raiders and You know, one year they're gonna get it together and possibly we're gonna be getting the Oakland A's. I'm starting to feel really bad for Oakland now. Of course, we've got major boxing matches that happen in Las Vegas. The UFC headquarters, hello, is in Las Vegas. We've got Formula One in November, but all that Vegas needs now is that NBA expansion team. Vegas already has the Summer League and that's where Commissioner Adam Silver addressed talks of a potential Vegas team confirming that the league will begin exploring the idea once the media rights deal is up in 2025. But big name developers like the Oakview Group, for example, they've already started that campaign. They're attempting to lure a potential franchise with talks of a 66 acre, $10 billion sports campus that would include the works, hotels, casinos, restaurants, with an NBA arena as that elusive centerpiece. And LeBron James is at the front of the wave showing lots of interest in terms of ownership, especially in Las Vegas. He said, I think it's only a matter of time, and I hope I'm part of that time. But Shaq is interested too in Las Vegas, and that's according to The Messenger. Although he doesn't want to partner up with anyone. He wants an NBA expansion team all for himself. And it's interesting because if you've been to Las Vegas recently, Shaq has some restaurants here. It's called Big Chicken. I haven't been yet. I heard it's kind of good. I'm going to have to check it out one of these days when I want just a gigantic fry chicken sandwich, but, uh, yeah, Shaq's got roots there. I don't know if that's going to help him. I think that King James is at the top of the list when it comes to ownership, but rumors say it's Las Vegas and Seattle, that those are the two cities that are in the top running to get an NBA expansion team. But you know, for me, I mean, it's been so cool covering all of this. Some of you guys know that I worked in Las Vegas on the news for three years. And since we're going back in time, let's rewind things even further back to when I was in journalism school. And if you know me, if you've seen me on television, you know I've got big hair, big curly hair. And when I was in school, some of my professors told me that I would never, ever get an anchor job while wearing my naturally curly hair. They said if I wouldn't straighten it, I'd need to wear a wig and they weren't being racist or cruel. That's not the vibe I got. These were some really nice people. And I know they wanted me to get a job. They wanted me to secure a job. That was their goal. But if you know me, that went right over my head. I don't know if it's the Aries in me. I don't know if it's a strong sense of self or just the fact that I wasn't willing to straighten my curly hair on a daily basis and damage it. But I didn't box myself in. And I landed my first on-air gig Rockin' the curls at the NBC affiliate in Kansas City, Missouri, right out of college. And it was a bit of a fro back then too. You know, it was a lot shorter. It was, you know, lots of volume. I loved it. And, you know, I continued to wear my curly hair in other TV markets. But of course, you know, I still got those nasty letters, comments. I mean, one email I received from a viewer while working in Las Vegas, I'll never forget. Uh, they emailed me saying, I can't believe hair like that can be properly cleaned, So whenever she pops up on the channel, I have to fast forward. I remember I was working on the anchor desk, anchoring the midday show in Dallas, Texas. I looked down at my phone and I remember seeing a Facebook message. It was from a viewer and here's what it said. I don't know what creed, religion, whatever she's a part of, but that hair has got to go. And then I just looked back up at the teleprompter and just kept on with the news. (laughs) I'm like, bro, whatever. You know, I'm a tough girl. I can take it and it won't stop me. But where I slam my brakes is when organizations discriminate against the natural hair of children, employees. And I don't have to tell you, you've seen the stories of workers being fired for natural hairstyles like locks, froze, braids. We all watched in horror as a New Jersey high school wrestler was forced to cut his locks or young girls who were sent home from school or kept out of prom because of their natural hairstyles and braids. I mean, I've had young girls come up to me with aspirations of working on the news, asking me to look at their hair to see if it would be appropriate enough to get a job. Let's take, for example, my mom, who's white. She's got straight, fine hair her professionalism would never be questioned if she came to work with her hair in its natural state. But for black people and people with textured hair, they get treated different. And that's why the Crown Act was created back in 2019 to ensure protection against discrimination based on race-based hairstyles by extending statutory protection to hair texture and protective styles such as braids, locks, twists, knots in the workplace and public schools. It's pretty sad that the legislation was even necessary considering the 14th Amendment, you know, the one with the Equal Protection Clause, was ratified 155 years ago, but did nothing to stop Jim Crow, KKK, housing discrimination, segregation, and of course, hair discrimination. But fast forward to present day, and 24 states have passed a version of the Crown Act, some of which are New York, California, Washington, Nevada, and Texas, where Governor Greg Abbott signed it into law back in May. But Texas's commitment has been drawn into question after Daryl George, a 17-year-old high school student, was suspended because school officials say his dreadlocked hairstyle violated school policy. Daryl George has been serving in-school suspension for over a month as a result. This is happening at Barbers Hill High School in Mont Bellevue, which is about... 30 minutes east of Houston, Texas, and according to AP News, school officials say Daryl's locks fall below his eyebrows and earlobes, which is against the dress code. I took a look at the dress code, and it gets worse for the boys. They can't wear ponytails, they can't wear bobby pins or beads in their hair. What the hell does your hair have to do with your education? Are we really serious here? Daryl's locks are beautiful, well maintained, above his ear, from what I see in this picture. But you're saying that they're too long? His hair's too long, now he needs to cut it off? Let me remind you, this school already did this to two black students back in 2020. I'm talking about DeAndre Arnold and Caden Bradford, their cousins. They were suspended because they had long hair. DeAndre has locks, and his family's from Trinidad, where they often grow their locks to their waist. It's part of his identity and his culture. He wasn't allowed to return to school or attend graduation unless he cut his hair. Superintendent Greg Poole says he believes the dress code is legal and it teaches students to conform as a sacrifice benefiting everyone. Now, here's what you'll love. The students' families sued the district and won. A judge for the U.S. District Court of the Southern District of Texas decided that the rule was discriminatory and unfair, so the kids returned to school. They didn't have to cut their hair. But here we are, three years later, and Barber Hills High School is still discriminating against its students. Only this time, Daryl George's family has filed a federal lawsuit against Governor Greg Abbott and Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton for failing to protect him against discrimination. They've also filed a formal complaint with the Texas Education Agency. But the fact that this is still going on with the Crown Act in effect, the fact that we are sacrificing education in the name of hair length, is pathetic and a waste of everyone's time. Boys can have long hair. Get over it. It's not stopping the learning process. You are. I'm sorry, guys. I had to vent on that one there. That really bothers me. Somebody who's worked in the public eye, I've been discriminated against all the time. I've, I've had the nastiest letters, the nastiest threats, the craziest stuff. I mean, we can get into that in another episode, but I just had to vent a little bit. That's what really grinds my gears. And you know what else really grinds my gears? Have you ever been out with someone and they just can't put their phone down? Or maybe you're at home watching a movie and a funny part comes on and you just look around the room to see if anyone else is laughing, but they're all just looking at their phones. (laughs) Personally, I use my phone a lot for posting content. It's like work for me. I don't spend a lot of time playing games on it. I mean, there was one game that I actually enjoyed. It was called Looney Tunes Dash. It was so much fun, but ever since they got rid of it years ago, I have no games on my phone. The only time I'll really be scrolling is maybe if I'm on my computer, I'm working, I go to Twitter, or as it's called now, X, and then I'll be scrolling, scrolling, and it can be distracting. So I have to get a grip and get back to work. I mean, scrolling through social media certainly impacts productivity and the various algorithms have been created to cater to your unique interests, which is often based on what content you interact with. So if you're a guy who only looks at Instagram baddies, your Instagram explore page is gonna be filled with baddies. Just know that before you pass your phone to your girlfriend. But the algorithm, I mean, it's more intricate than that, but that is the gist. Mine, for example, is a mix of vacation spots. You know me, I like to travel. And then that video of the cat that's driving a hoopty and everybody's different take on it. I love it, it's a hilarious video. So you see more of what you like the longer you scroll and it can be a little addicting. And according to research from California State University, an estimated 10% or 33.19 million Americans are addicted to social media compared to the average person. Eek, social media addiction is real. And some states are taking action, Utah being the latest state to file a lawsuit against TikTok for baiting children into addictive and unhealthy social media habits. Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes says that TikTok designed and employs algorithm features that spoon-feed kids endless, highly curated content from which our children struggle to disengage. The Attorney General went on to say that TikTok designed these features to mimic a cruel slot machine that hooks kids' attention and does not let them go. It's not just about TikTok. Utah is enhancing consumer protection when it comes to minors. I mean, next year, social media companies will be required to create a default curfew setting to block overnight access for minors from 10.30 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. Parents can adjust, of course, but social media companies will not be allowed to collect the data of minors in Utah or target their accounts for advertising or addictive designs or features. And I touched on a little bit of this in episode two, so you should go back and check it out when I talked about digital protections. And I'll continue to do so because it is a big deal and social media is impacting our health. But on the bright side, I mean, you might learn some great recipes, you might connect with, you know, those cool people you knew back in middle school, learn how to change tire. But on the other hand, things can get dark with studies showing links between social media usage and depression, anxiety, sleeplessness, even suicidal thoughts. For example, internal documents and studies from Facebook that were featured in a 2021 Wall Street Journal article showed that 6% of teens who reported suicidal thoughts traced the issue to Instagram. 13% of British teens said the same. That's serious. The Mayo Clinic says that parents can encourage responsible use of social media by setting reasonable limits, monitoring your kids' accounts, but kids do have Finstas. Finstas are fake Instagram accounts, and they have Snapchats. You know, those snaps just disappear, so who knows what they've been posting. They say parents can encourage face-to-face contact with friends. On Twitter, they call it, go out and touch some grass. And of course, see a doctor if they have symptoms of depression or anxiety. So I just want to know, I mean, how often do you use your phone, your tablet? Do you ever feel stressed, negative, insecure after using social media? Or do you feel more connected and happy? I'd love to hear from you. Let me know. And it's been a busy week on social media as war has erupted between Israel and Hamas militants. A lot of people, celebrities included, have rushed online to state their allegiances about a conflict that dates back decades, claiming thousands of lives. Right now, families in those regions are devastated and unspeakable things are happening to people who have ended up in the crossfire of these attacks. All of this tragedy playing out on social media before our eyes, and as a person, I understand why people feel the need to speak up, but as a journalist, I'm evaluating the ways in which they're doing so. And it's dangerous because there's so much misinformation being spread online. Videos containing graphic content that have been uploaded to social media with narratives that have not been verified. People were showing videos of airstrikes that happened in May, making it seem like it just happened. Extremely misleading. A lot of accounts are profiting on the misinformation as they seek monetization from platforms for highly engaging posts, Well, the Israel-Hamas war has been trending online for days now, so people stand to gain a lot of eyes, which equals money if they churn out captivating content. And they don't care if the information's not factual. If you don't know where your information is coming from, how do you know what's real? How do you know what you're talking about? If you're getting your information on the Israel-Palestine conflict from a random person on TikTok, how informed are you really? I mean, that random person could know what they're talking about. But if I quoted TikTok user 123 as a source on the Israel-Palestine conflict to my news director at any station I've worked with, I'd probably be fired on the spot. It's unacceptable. But these days, that's where people are getting their news. One of the first things we learn in journalism school is the two-source rule. Meaning to verify information, you will need two independent sources confirming the same thing. Now, I like two to three sources depending on the gravity of what I'm talking about. And when I'm looking to confirm something, I'm using reputable sites like AP News, Reuters, Census Data. I'm not just typing something into Google and clicking on the first thing that comes up. Oh, and by the way, there are a lot of sites that look like news sites, but they are not. And that's dangerous too. But if you look closely and take a little bit of time, you can tell the difference. But please, please, don't just start regurgitating, retweeting information that you can't verify simply saying, well, I saw a headline. Yeah, that's not enough. Especially when we're talking about something like war. But if you're talking about who wore what to the Grammys, yeah, maybe not so big of a deal. But it's different when innocent lives are being lost. When you want to voice an opinion on something as polarizing and controversial as an international conflict, please seek out the real information first. All right, guys, that's all I have for the show this week. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that's on Apple, Spotify, or on YouTube, where I post the full-length video version. I really appreciate you guys rating the podcast and reviewing it. Please review it. I would love to hear.